Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, wonderful soul, beautiful and perfect being. We have another fantastic episode for you today. We have Amanda Gates and we talk about the art of feng shui and work-life balance. Um, We begin with feng shui and then we really uh, get deep into some amazing meat and potatoes. It's a a fantastic episode. Uh, We talk about the history and origin of feng shui and how it works, the five disruptors of a floor plan, the meaning and power of the front door, how to create a sacred space, how to create a high energy office, how to create a personal and high energy uh, altar, the art of intentional giving, 27 day act of kindness challenge, which obviously I love, uh, why everything you need to be happy, fulfilled and peaceful is within a simple way to create a more balanced life, simple strategies for activating creativity, creating balance and achieving a work life balance. So we start with practical feng shui and what it is and all that kind of stuff. And then we really get into some incredible meat and potatoes. Uh, I want to thank all of you guys who've been supporting the podcast. The easiest thing you can do is to leave a review. And this one is from Sean and it says, holy gogoli mogoli dude. Um, that's the title. And it says, wow, perfect. I woke up a couple of weeks ago, not gently mind you. The oneness open, the oneness open hand slapped me in the face, exposing all the love, joy, and connectedness that was there, but I couldn't see. For the first few weeks, I dove down every rabbit hole I could find. I stumbled upon this podcast in my search and I'm so grateful for all the time and people you have brought together. Matt has built such a beautiful framework of amazing awake people whose knowledge is everything I've been looking for. If you want to hear the perspectives of many people doing the work and bringing the love, uh, dive in and soak it up. Thank you, Matt. All the love. Well, I appreciate you, Sean, for uh, taking the time to leave that review. It's so helpful. So please take the time to do that if you enjoy the show. And uh, Patreon as well uh, is a, if you want to chip in like a coffee, if you're like sitting and you want to live, uh, have a coffee or something with me, my boy, Stephen Parado, uh, we met at Envision. He is a one sweet, beautiful son of a gun. I hope that you're hearing this, you lovely son of a gun. Um, we, we hugged it out in such a beautiful being. Um, thanks for your support on Patreon, man. I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, that's it. So thank you guys. And thank you to my sponsor, uh, Purium. They're incredible. If you haven't heard about CBD, they now have it and you can get 50 bucks off if you use activate health. So just go bit.ly forward slash activate health, but they got in the game because they made like the premium supplement products. Like as far as cleansing gut health, um, they have cleansing energy, sleep, immune rejuvenation, athletics. So it's the premium non GMO. They got a 60 day money back guarantee. It's, it's all, it's, it's the business. They're amazing. 
amazing. And so if you want to check them out, I invite you to do that. For those of you guys who want some coaching, uh, let's do it. Hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And basically it's three types of people. One is like somebody who, you know, really wants to level up in their life. Maybe they're looking for a transition, a little bit more fulfillment, uh, want to find their path, you know, but you're, you're ready to go. Uh, happy to work with you. The other type of person would be a high entrepreneur CEO type of deal where you, you just want to learn about peak performance flow, um, how to get in the zone and that work-life balance and really up your game. And obviously athletes is the third one. And so, yeah, check that out. And uh, if you guys out there, you know, if you know any athletes out there, um, you know, you can send them the Zen Athlete book, the ebook. I'm happy to gift that to anybody who will read it and then teach kids. That's all I ask is you to learn that information, learn about meditation, visualization. Um, it's the best book of, you know, practical tools for self-mastery that I know, not because I wrote it, because I read a ton of books and studied it for a long time and then just put all the best techniques in there and then made, you know, exercises and things like that. So um, check that out if you want to. Um, when you guys are listening to the episodes, please take time codes. Some of you have been doing that. I'm so grateful for that because I can take the little video clips from that. So just the aha moments, just tag me on Facebook, Matt Belair Podcast, you know, Matt Belair Insights. And just, you know, time code those aha moments so we can share them. And if you want, go on your Facebook and write about that aha moment, why it was important for you, because you're sharing that learning with others. And it's the most powerful thing you can do for yourself to integrate the information and for your community who sees it, because you're going to be sharing that. So uh, do that. I would love it if you do that. And those of you guys who want me to come out and speak, you know, we can do Google Hangouts. We can do stuff like that. Sign up for the email list to stay in touch. And that's it. Um, let's get into this amazing episode. But before we do, um, I want to come to a state of powerful peace, presence, compassion, and kindness for ourselves. So wherever you are, stop for a moment, taking a deep breath in through your nose, setting the intention to come to powerful peace and presence. Let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking one more deep breath in through your nose, doubling down this feeling of peace and presence and kindness and making the mental commitment to be peaceful, present and kind to yourself. And just let that breath out slowly with all limitation, self-criticism, self-doubt. Taking in one more deep breath in through your nose and just doubling this feeling of peace and compassion and kindness for yourself and sending out this love and kindness and passion to all beings on the planet now sending it out to all life sending that energy out to all beings of the planet just seeing peace love and compassion for all and see that energy come back to you magnified a million fold and i'm sending that energy to you now all of my love my support my kindness my brotherhood my my energy just for you allow that energy to wash over and just know that you are perfect balanced whole harmonious just as you are. So there we go. I think we are ready to get into this incredible episode with Amanda Gates. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is an energy design expert, award-winning interior designer, and feng shui practitioner, media personality, and author. She's the host of the popular podcast, Home Energy Design, and Robin Openshaw recently named her as one of the four wise women she admires. Welcome to the show, Amanda Gates. Welcome. Hey, it's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. 
Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, we had a little bit of technical difficulties to start on my end. We're talking about uh, Mercury retrograde and all that kind of fun stuff. So it made me feel a little bit better. Um, but your your work is all energy design in the home and things like that. Um, do you want to give people a little bit of a background on just what you do and how you got to doing the interesting work that you're you're doing? Yeah, so uh, I am an advanced feng shui practitioner, and so a lot of times when people hear that, they hear the word feng shui, and you know they may have picked up a book here or there at some place, or maybe met someone, and and they'll automatically think, oh, cool, you move furniture or you deal with clutter. Um, and actually, this is a much more advanced level of feng shui. So I really take a look at a person's environment and I, I am a, a floor plan reader. And so what I can do is look at somebody's floor plan and I can see the things that are showing up in their life. I can see, you know, that they're experiencing anxiety or possibly partnership issues or they're struggling with finances or they may be, I mean, it can be as uh, fine tuned as I can see that they're experiencing blood pressure or uh, heart problems, respiratory issues, things like that, career issues. So what I can do is, you know, I, I do make things pretty because I'm also a professionally trained interior designer, but I learned early on uh, from my own experience after remodeling and gutting a home and making it pretty that there's so much more to it than just a pretty atmosphere. You can't, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. So if you make your environment pretty and shit is still going wrong, it's because it's showing up in your floor plan. So your environment matters. And so often we look to external things to make us feel good and to thrive optimal, whether that's in health, wealth, finances, uh, relationships, things like that. And so rarely do people, look at their home environments and even their office environments as a possible solution and that's where I come in I can come in and that's why our slogan is designs that are energy aligned before we do anything that is pretty before we start putting any decoration in we first work on the energy and getting the environment right once that's right then we can put in the pretty and then you can start boosting and elevating your goals in life because your environment is supporting you Interesting. Well, mm -hmm. this is exciting for me because I know so little about this. So I'm going to have to um, ask questions where I learn a lot. One thing that I remember reading um, a while ago was a book by Mark Devine. He's a Navy SEAL and I think it's called The Unbeatable Mind. And he just talked about how you wake up in the morning and then you make your bed because you're setting the, like how your day goes. And if you have clutter in your room, then unconsciously you're going to be thinking about all this clutter you know, even though you're doing your task, if you see it in your peripheral, you're going to be thinking about that task that needs to be done. So I feel like your work kind of takes that idea and magnifies it, how you feel in the room, what's around you. Um, you know, if you go into a messy room and you're trying to be focused and you've got maybe kids toys everywhere, like I do right now, um, my, my room that I'm currently in is like probably the polar opposite of a feng shui room, um, then your mind is actually picking up all this clutter so it doesn't flow. So do you want to speak about um, maybe some of the things that you do or maybe something that someone can do within their ho own house to analyze what they're looking like? How do you go in and analyze the room? They can have a peek and then they can maybe start moving things around or, or understand how to um, create an ideal flow environment. Yeah, so 
What I always tell people who are new to this, one of the things that I always talk about are, it's a system that I put together called the top five disruptors. And so when you're looking at your floor plan or, or your home's layout, what you want to do is you want to take into consideration these top five disruptors because these are the things that can wreak havoc on your environment and your life. So the first one is the front door. We want to pay attention to that. The second one is the overall shape of your house because in feng shui, everything is quite literal. So we want to take a look at how that shape is. Number three, we want to look at what's called a knife edge. And that's just the shape and sharpness of objects that are around you, whether that is a wall or a piece of furniture. Number four, we want to look at bathrooms and their location because bathrooms have a lot of drains in them. And so that can affect our energy system. And finally, there's this idea called command. And command takes place at your bed, desk, and stove. And the idea behind that is that it triggers fleeting. So if you cannot see the door, your adrenals are fired up and you're, you're basically in this hyperactive, anxious state, it's evolution, that you're going to get you know, attacked by a tiger. So we want to start with those five things and take a look at where they are and how they're being utilized in your own floor plan to see how the energy is showing up in your life. Well, that's fascinating. Okay, so... So once we do those things, um, how do you, like, what would, what would somebody do? Like, if I want to do this myself and I want to analyze it, you know, what are, can you give some tips on how somebody might be able to apply this and just kind of look and, and move some things around? Absolutely. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll refer back to those top five disruptors. And so, the, like I said, the first one is your front door. So your front door is, uh, represents your mouth of chi. So. So if you look at your uh, own mouth, like let's say you get in a car accident or something and you have to have your mouth wired shut, you can't get proper nutrition. You're going to start to lose weight. It's hard for you to eat. You can't talk. You're going to suffer. That is essentially what your front door does if you don't use it. And so a lot of people don't actually use their front door. They come in through the back door, the side door, the garage door. You know, they, they rarely use their front door. So because this is an area where all energy, new energy comes to basically stimulate all the energy and areas of your life, if you're not using it, then you can start to, it'll start to show up in your life as depletion, uh, things will become stuck, things will become stagnant. And then in addition, if you're not using it and it's dilapidated, uh, maybe the light bulbs are burnt out, the door is filthy, your plants are overgrown or dead. You know, that's not very inviting. That's not very welcoming. And your, your front door not only represents all of this new vitality coming into your life and in your home, but it also represents how you think. Um, it also represents, you know, new opportunities that come to you. So if you stand out at your curb and you're looking at your front door going, shit, this looks terrible those are the kind of opportunities that are going to be showing up in your life, bad ones. So we want to start there and take a look at how your front door looks. Number two, if we look at the overall shape of your home, each area of your home represents a big area in your life. So it could be finances, partnerships, uh, career, health. What we want to do is look at the overall shape of your house. And if you've got basically a chunk out of your house or it's an odd shape or if it's a difficult shape, 
that's going to affect how the energy shows up in your life and how it shows up and meanders throughout your home. So we always want to take a look at that. So most people have like a square box, a rectangle box, you know, most people have pretty basic homes, but if your home is an odd shape or if it's got like a lot of indentations or stuff, pay attention to that. I always tell people to journal and write down things that keep showing up. Like what is going on in your life that keeps showing up again and again? Cause I guarantee you it's in your floor plan. Number three, if we look at the concept of a knife edge, if you look at like where two walls come together, uh, that could be an area we call that sharp shooting chi or sharp shooting energy. So that would be really important if it's pointing at you. If you've got a sharp object while you're cooking, while you're sitting, while you're sitting at a desk, an area that you spend a lot of time, you're going to feel anxious. You're going to feel fidgety. You're not going to be able to get work done. You're not going to be able to cook. It's going gonna, it's gonna to heighten that fight or flight flee thing because you're in danger. If we look at the bathroom, the average bathroom has four drains in it. And where does the water go? It goes down. So that's where your energy is going. And so you have to look at our bodies as energetic systems. We have this energy Wi-Fi that's around us called the emotional body, and it's picking up on stuff before it hits our physical body. So in our homes, if we've got bathrooms like right outside of our bedroom, um, or sitting on a particular area that represents, like, say, wealth, that means that we're flushing our finances down the drain. Or maybe it sits on partnership and it's causing difficulties in our partnership. you got a lot of energy that's going down, so it creates an energy suck. So it just strains the area of your life. Or I guess we could put the pun in there and say it drains. Um, and then finally, if we, we look at command, at your bed, desk, or stove, you always want to be able to see the door. I see this all the time where people want to put their desk up against a window because they want to look at the trees and the birds and all that. But if you've got the door behind you, subconsciously, your brain is going, danger, danger, danger. Somebody's going to come up behind you and stab you. Obviously, that's not going to happen in your house, but you can't change evolution. So that taxes your parasympathetic nervous system, that taxes your adrenals, and without you realizing it, that emotional body that we were just talking about, it has alarm systems, and it, it's screaming danger, so now you're becoming heightened, and you're becoming anxious, and it affects your work and productivity, or your ability to cook, or your ability to sleep. So those are five major areas that you want to pay attention to, to get you started in this concept of feng shui and energy. Interesting. Okay. I learned, I learned some stuff there. Uh, the, the door behind me. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I think that it's, it's really taking into account subcon like how your mind works subconsciously. Um, you know, what I learned from NLP and things like that, when you're reading person, the, one of the first things you would do on a very primal basis is you just, you're going to categorize whether you need to be afraid of this person and you need to protect yourself or this person's a safe person. So that's why, you know, they say the, the first introduction is super important because if you kind of startle somebody, they instantly kind of go into that as like, Ooh, this person um, is to be, you know, we've got to watch that person because we don't know, you know, what, what, what they're into or what they're about. So I guess 
for me, what I'm curious about is I know that uh, I live in Vancouver and I have a friend that's a builder and he's actually building the, a house for somebody from China right now. And it's massive in China. Feng Shui is, you know, they won't go in certain, he says like he's a re, some of them, like they won't go in certain houses if it's built away. If they get a house commission, they have all of these floor plans. It's very, very different. They're very specific about it. So can you speak a little bit about just in general, for people who don't know what feng shui is, a little bit about the history, where it comes from, the philosophy behind it, um, anything along those lines. Yeah, so there's several different schools around feng shui. Um, I practice what's known as VTB, which is, it's a big word, but it's more transcendental. And then there is uh, the more westernized version, and then there's compass, and then there's a lot of little offshoots like Nine Star Key and um, uh, pyramid, excuse me. <clears throat> and so these different schools have different philosophies and how they do things. And I can't speak so much for the other schools because I've been doing my school, my BTB school for over 20 years. But like, for example, compass school is directional. So it's based on you place your bed here because this is your favorable direction based on your birthday. We don't follow that in my school simply because directional feng shui has its weaknesses. Because our philosophy is so big around command and putting you in an optimal location so that you're not triggering that fight or flight, based on your nine-star key, it may put you, based on your astrology, in a location that is not ideal. So, and that's really where feng shui originated. It's this whole idea of they wanted to place uh, kings and queens and, and people of royalty in optimal grave sites. And so they determined that they wanted them to be in a mountainside. They wanted them to be facing specific locations and they wanted to create the optimal energy around this. That then transpired into this idea of, well, why not do this for the living? And so they started paying attention to environments and how the human body associates and builds relationships with the environments that are around us. And so our environment is a direct reflection of what's showing up in our life. So like I have a girlfriend right now where like her HVAC system broke, the tree in the backyard fell down, her roof collapsed, now her oven is broken, it's just one thing after another. And she's like, man, this is really shitty. And I'm like, but the thing is, is that your home is a direct reflection of you, so you have to pay attention to these things because it's speaking to you. She's literally going through a massive transition in her life and really coming into her own, and so she's tearing down old ways and really starting this new way of thinking. Her home is literally speaking to her this language. And so feng shui, it started about 4,000 years ago. Some will argue that it started 6,000 years ago. Who gives a flip? It was a long time ago. Um, but it's really this idea of these uh, sages and, and uh, wise elders basically would pay attention to the layout of an environment and the design details that were within that environment and the up in people's lives. And what they would do is, is this information was held so close to the chest that they would literally only share this information with monks and then send those monks up to the hills in Tibet 
And so, you know, this sacred knowledge was carried on orally and it was only in the heads of these monks. And so it was held very close to the chest because it was so esoteric and it was so transcendental that they were afraid that people would, you know, use it correctly, misunderstand it. And it's really highly regarded in China, but it's still pretty misunderstood here in, in the Western culture. Like um, people still aren't really sure about it. They don't really know if this stuff is real. Um, they're not really sure about this transcendental stuff because a lot of what I do, I can literally look at a home and say, oh, you, you are experiencing a bad relationship or possibly divorce. And I may tell someone, you know, we need to do this ceremony and, and place a mirror here. And it seems so illogical, but then all of a sudden everything gets repaired. And it's like, there's this whole transcendental, we call it the shushar of illogical, unreasonable, unexplainable events, but we're working with energy. And so it's like magic happens. So to me, feng shui, even though it's this very ancient practice, it's this very magical way of working with your environment and the energy within your environment to get unexplainable results that you probably couldn't achieve on your own. All right. That was a fantastic definition. Um, Long definition. <laughs> no, it's really good. I'm glad you went into the detail because what my mind is doing to, to try to wrap my head around this is that like everything to me is a reflection of my reality and my state of consciousness. Even when I go outside, the people that I meet, the experiences yeah. that I have, the animals that I see, uh, everything is a reflection of me. And the home that you live, on, live in each and every day is really a direct reflection of you because you're spending most of your time there. So if you go into someone's house and it's cluttered and everything is, you know, broken down and dirty and you know they'll even they'll even say this about your car right so it's like well you know where where is this like this is a reflection of your personality you know and um so that that makes perfect sense to me and what i'm curious about because you you've you have a lot of really great articles on your blog and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on the podcast because it goes far beyond just you know you know how you set up your space it really is a mindset around zen and peace and personal development and um, one of the things I know that my listeners would be interested in is a, a lot of people ask me questions about meditation and some people ask me a question about you know how do I set up a space my answer always is just like just sit down somewhere and meditate now you can create a space and what I think would be really valuable for people is if they do have a homework space where they either a want to create an office where they can be functional and this is something that you know I would like to do um, and be like a sacred space because if you do create that space for meditation for some sort of personal practice number one doing that daily personal practice is a very powerful thing to shift your life to shift your perspective and two when you create a space that is specifically for it you've got this like room so if you you know you dedicate one of your rooms in your house just to working out you're going to know if you're using that room, it's always inviting you to that space that you've created to do that action. And so I'm curious if you can share a few tips on how somebody might create a, either a meditation space or a workspace in their home. Um, if they're same or different. Um, yeah, they're vastly different. Um, so I'll start with meditation space. Even if you live in a very small apartment and can't devote like an entire room, you know, not everybody has that luxury, but there's no reason why you can't create like a corner, you know, in your home if there's a small little section. 
the great thing about setting up space for meditation, self-care, self-reflection, Zen, whatever you want it to be, and it's not always going to look the same, but the importance of creating an area that you do that with is that it becomes a portal. So it's like it becomes this sacred space that when you enter that area, even if it's literally like I'm here doing work and then I go right here and you just shift like two feet, it's still a mindset thing where you're shifting over to left brain, right brain. And so it, it becomes this mind shift. And so some of the best things that you can do is I always recommend like a meditation uh, pillow, something that you can sit on or a small chair that's low to the ground. Uh, make it extremely comfortable. It's really great if you can incorporate plants around you. Um, plants are extremely healing. They're great for our energy system. And they're one of the best things in feng shui. They really boost just how we feel and our vibe and sensitivity around us. And if we have a lot of junk in that emotional energy system around us that I was talking about earlier, it can kind of start to look like pig pen where we just got all this bullshit kind of swirling around us. And so if you can go to this portal, this sacred little space and it's got plants and it's got crystals and maybe some incense and Buddha and all these cool things, you're just going to be able to, you know, it's just going to kind of absorb all of that. And plants are really great for getting rid of some of that ick. Setting up an altar is a great thing. I've got a lot of articles on the blog on what an altar is, stones to get you started in an altar, and how it can best benefit you, how to set one up. But an altar is nothing complicated. It's just simply a space where you set up things that are important to you. So it can be crystals. I love crystals, you know, rose quartz, amethyst, selenite, citrine. Those are some great starter stones. Um, but you were just mentioning like you're always paying attention when you're outside and paying attention to animals like that. Nature speaks to us and a lot of divine wisdom comes to us through nature. And so it's imperative that when you are outside, you are paying attention. I am notorious. I have so much stuff around my house where I have found a special stick or I have found a special rock or feathers. I love feathers. Um, it could be a special, you know, however those communicate with you, those are sacred items that if they draw your attention or make you go, huh, that's kind of special, that needs to come home with you. And that can be set up in that space. What you want to do is when you're creating that area, you want to surround yourself with the things that really are important to you, uplift you, and really help you get into that right brain state of mind, because that's what's going to help you get into that theta state of Zen and meditation. Or even if you just go to that space and consciously write in your you know, journal, uh, they call it conscious writing. Uh, you can even do something like that, but you have to have that space where you're kind of transformed. As far as your workspace goes, the most important thing is just to try to keep it as clutter-free as possible. You're absolutely right that because our environments are a direct reflection of us, if you do have a lot of shit and turmoil and paper and stuff all around you, science proven we can't think straight when we're surrounded by all that stuff because it's cl it's cluttering our minds so you know I love the idea of making your bed because 
that absolutely, you know, all the things that you can eliminate brain fatigue with, you know, do it. So you want to set up your office space to where you can see the door. You want to set it up in a way comfortable for you, have a comfortable chair. You always want to have a chair with a high back in it so that you're supported. That's a literal thing in feng shui so that you're supported in all things that you do. Um, you want to have a wall behind you. It's really important to have that because then again, it's just additional strength and power behind you. Being able to um, be comfortable, you know, and if you want to have a temporary or a, like a alter you can bring that into your office I encourage a lot of my clients to do that um, but you just want to set it up as a space that is going to really allow you to be optimal and thrive and help you uh, work your best self um, but one of the best things you can do in your office environment is just make sure that you're in command that alone will shift everything you will literally be able to turn things around if you can see the door and see what's going on in front of you Amazing. Those are great tips. I appreciate that. You know, it's funny because um, I'm going to share this with you. Yeah. This is a stick that I just found. See how cool it is? Looks like a snake. Right? I, that's what I thought that it was. So I was like, this is special. It's coming home with me. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I'm like I said at the beginning, I'm so green to this. Um, as you're speaking, I'm creating connections in my own mind and then thinking about a hundred different questions. So the first thing that it makes me think about is, you know, Tony Robbins and NLP, where the first thing that they'll say to change your, change your internal state, like how you're thinking and how you're feeling is to change your physiology. And when you said, you know, just have a space that's dedicated for this, the first thing that came into my mind when I was a kid was getting in trouble and having to stick my nose in the corner. And I was not stoked on that. So my interpretation is of the negative. And if you just have this little space, you know what, and what that's also doing over time is, is um, like an NLP trigger. So the bad one is, let's say you have a little puppy dog and you love him and you're a kid and then it gets run over by a big red truck you're probably going to have the trigger of a red truck for a long time. You might even get mad at somebody 25 years later because they came out of a red truck and they said something, but you can't remember that correlation that had. So what you're doing is you're doing that in reverse. You're, you're doing the positive effect of that and how your body, the more you use it over repetition is just going to create the neural connections and then the, the obvious, the effect, right? The peace. So it'll be easier for you to get into peace the more that you use the environment that you created. So um, very interesting. And so I don't know which way I want to go with this because I wrote down a lot of questions. If we, if we stay on the thread or we kind of move, move a little bit. Um, do you have any advice? I have friends. A lot of my friends are um, having kids. So I'm just curious if any of this like applies to kids or playrooms or things like that. So I'll just go with that one because I got a lot. Um, there's nothing wrong with kids, you know, as far as feng shui goes, obviously kids tend to come with a lot of stuff. Um, I wouldn't say that it's so much a feng shui thing as that would be more my environmentalist activism side coming in saying, you know, they probably don't need as much stuff as they're being given. Um, if something new comes in, something old needs to go out, you know, but as far as feng shui goes, um, the things that you really want to pay attention to are just the rooms that the child are, you know, is in. Pay attention to if they do have what's was uh, number three. 
the five disruptors, number three, we were talking about it. And, you know, if they've got a closet that's in their room that's creating that knife edge, that sharpshooting chi going at them. So, you know, pay attention. Are your kids experiencing insomnia? Are they anxious? Are they being bullied at school? Um, are things showing up that are unexplainable and you can't put your finger on it and you have tried everything? That is where the feng shui would come in and, and you would want to pay attention to their bedroom, make sure that they're in command, make sure that they don't have a lot of sharp objects. You know, most kids don't, um, but they could have a closet that has that knife edge. So I tell people to keep a journal and just write down the, the even if it seems completely insignificant, but things that keep happening again and again, if you're experiencing insomnia, anxiety, um, if the kid's struggling in school or uh, maybe he suddenly, you know, starts having ADHD or really acting out or doing something that is abnormal, start writing those things down because nine times out of 10, those are the things that are in our environment that are a direct reflection that is showing up and we're being affected by it. And that's why we behave that way. All right. Interesting. Cool. I like it. Well, the first one that I like because I have a nephew and actually I'll just tilt my camera. So this is where I am. Like I said, the opposite of a feng shui room. There's crap everywhere. <laughs> um, and he gets a lot of stuff. He gets like a lot of Easter stuff and things like that. And, you know, I'm not a parent. I don't know what the heck's going on. But I was like, I think he has too much stuff. Like every single day he's getting like a new toy. I was like, I, I don't know where the limit of spoiling is, but, you know, he's just expecting gifts now. So I like the you get something new and then you give it away and you're also teaching them um, receiving and then letting go and gifting, which brings me to another uh, article on your website that I thought was very fascinating because it was just my birthday, and I spent some time with David Lombear Senapas, who's the native elder of the Mi'kmaq Nation. And we had very deep talks around life. His history is totally different than ours. Um, his education, he was taught by, you know, over 600 elders. It, you know, this guy is really intense. And so we would go way out there, you know, as out there as you could possibly imagine. But then the practical application of what to do couldn't be any more simple straightforward and amazing. And one of the things he would constantly say is that um, three acts of kindness is, is the most important thing that you can do to hack your vibration. Well, I'm using the word hack. He definitely didn't use that word. Um, because when you're in the action of kindness or in the action of giving, um, it's a measurable frequency apparently. And so what, what's happening is a lot of people, they have good intentions and they're writing books and they're doing these different things and we want to be better. But what what happens is we go about our daily life and we forget to um, maybe just get someone's name. He's like, that's an act of kindness. You know, if you're in a line and someone's in front of you or behind you, just get their name or if somebody's serving you, you know, making sure that you're actually present because the way that my mind considers that you go out and you get coffee and your food and whatever, we have a society that's a little bit separate. You know, it's like, oh, this is my job, but it's not we're human to human in some sort of communal fashion where we're recognizing each other from a human standpoint and not just from the title standpoint, right? Server or whatever the case is. So you wrote an article um, that just talks about intentional gift giving. So I was wondering um, if you could just go into that a little bit. Yeah. So what you're talking about is actually a feng shui principle. Um, we are taught in my school that one of the best ways that you can indeed raise your vibration and improve your karma is through acts of kindness. We are actually taught that 
you should do an act of kindness every day for 27 days to not only make it a habit, but to start drastically changing uh, your overall vibration and your sense of well-being. So I have a concept that I call above and below the cross emotions. And so above the cross emotions are this idea of happiness, joy, love, uh, enlightenment, all the goods in life. And the below the cross emotions are this idea of hatred, anger, uh, frustration, disappointment, apathy. And 75% of our population lives in below the cross emotions. And so when I work with people, we rarely get these people anymore because we are operating at such a high vibe. But if I have, say, a woman that comes to me that's going through a divorce or a man who is like a CEO and he's really stressed out, you know, he's narcissistic and focusing on the wrong things, one of the things that I will have them do is the, the bodhisattva of, of compassion and kindness is 27 good deeds. And so, and it can be as little as opening a door for someone, buying a coffee for someone, giving a gift for someone. And so that's where this idea of gift giving comes in. When we're talking about gift giving, it has been so mutilated in our culture that, oh my God, it's so-and-so's birthday. I have to rush down to the mall and I've got to go buy some shitty thing that they don't really need, but I don't want to show up empty handed because they're, you know, I'm going to feel guilty and they're going to, you know, judge me and it's all that below the cross bullshit. So, or, you know, Christmas is the worst. Everybody's always rushing around trying to buy all these gifts versus this idea of the true idea and the, the true beautiful energy around what gift giving is, is that I really put forth divine energy into searching for the perfect Thing. And it could be a delightful adventure that I'm out on a Sunday afternoon and I come across something and I'm like, oh my God, Matt loves this. And, you know, this is his favorite author and it's a signed edition. So you have come top to mind and I know that it's something that you're going to adore. And so now there's an energy exchange that's occurring. Something that I know because we're friends that you're going to love. So now I'm elevated and I'm excited and I'm giddy because I have something that I know you are going to flip out over. So then when I give you that gift, you open it and you're freaking the freak out. Oh my gosh, I have this book. This is amazing. He's my favorite author. It's signed. I'm, you're blowing my mind. So now this energy exchange has occurred because I'm elevated and excited, plus I'm giving, which is our, our purpose and our, our true nature, and I've now given you something that's rocking your world. And so now we're in this high vibe area versus it's somebody's birthday, I've rushed out, bought some trinket that they don't need, and you know they unwrap it, and they're like, oh, thanks. So the energy exchange is different because... I went from rushing to go find something that you probably didn't really want. I wasted money. I wasted time. I wasted energy. I've given it to you. You're kind of like, meh, whatever. And so it's just like, wah, wah, two totally different senses of energy. And that the way gift giving should be is that high vibe, 
elevated gift giving and it should be spontaneous. So what your birthday's in March. If I find this amazing book in June, that's when a gift should be given because that's when you and I are going to have that energy exchange. I feel obligated to right now because I haven't found something. That's how it should go down. That is incredible. I totally agree with that. You know, it's, it's, it is two different senses of energy. And I had a discussion with one of my good friends um, about Christmas and he's got two kids now and the way that it's done, you know, and he's just like, my family's upset with me because I'm kind of looking at this and I was like, not everybody just needs a gift to, to have a gift and why are kids getting some? And he's just like, am I being cheap? I was like, no, man. It's like, they probably have enough. I think it's just a little bit of a, a reframe of perspective of what gift giving is. And I totally agree with your perspective there. And I think it's a much more powerful, um, honest and sincere and powerful way to gift a way to, um, you know, connect with somebody, like you said, that energy, they're going to be so excited when it's personal and you, you literally do get super excited when you find that right thing. And so what happens is, you know, from that perspective, then gift giving can happen anytime, anywhere. And you know, you're not, it doesn't need to be something expensive or whatever. It's just like, that's the time. Oh, I'm going to get it for them. That's really good. And you send it over and they're going to be super excited. So I, I uh, appreciate that mindset. And you brought up a little bit, well, just you talked about the principles of feng shui. Are there, you, do you want to share like some of them? Because I think that the 27 days of, of giving and, and doing an act of kindness, that's really powerful stuff. And again, like if I reference David Lombear, who I just released that podcast, that's, that's what he was said. You know, he's, he has a picture. He's, you know, he spent time with the Dalai Lama. He was there on his request. He's spoken to thousands of people. And he's just like, when I speak, you know, I, I get people, I say, Hey, go out and see where your homeless are. Go do an act of kindness, you know, invite them in. That's how simple these spiritual or energetic or um, whatever you want to say, conscious principles, whatever the term is, they're really great in mind. That's what he would keep referencing. They're really great in mind, but where are they in action? And so the 27 days of a kind act becomes a habit. Then that becomes your natural way of being. You're not trying to be Zen or think your way into enlightenment or uh, whatever the verbiage you want to use is. It's just you are being that thing in action. And then that actually changes your physical vibration. So do you have any other favorite principles or things like that that you want to share? I would say that as far as humankind goes, that's probably one of the best seeds of advice that anybody could take. If they take anything away from this today, the top five disruptors, the above and below, that shit matters. What really matters at the end of the day is that we are all here, you know, we're spiritual beings in human meat suits having a human experience. And so where we come from is like this higher consciousness of love and connection and uh, acceptance. And, and then we come here and it's like egoic, narcissistic, self-serving consumerism. It's like, you know, if you wanted to say that there was a hell, we're living in it. So I really think that um, the idea of how can you serve your fellow you know, man or woman next to you? How can you serve humankind? How can you give back? We have so many gifts that we have. And I think that as technology becomes all encompassing and really starts to surround us and consume us, people are becoming more and more isolated and they're not 
truly connecting with other human beings. So we just discovered, uh, I got an email a couple weeks ago that here in Tennessee, the suicide rate has gone percent in one year. And I'm not surprised by that. Wait, you know, you, we have you cut out for one second. How, how many, how many percent? It just cut out for a quick second. 4% in one year. So if you look at technology, you know, we're staying indoors. People don't get outside as much as they used to. And, you know, there's this thing that's pinging us that we have to have more followers. We have to get more likes. We have to get more friends, but they're not really friends. They're fake friends. So it was this idea in this article talking about how people are really down and out, but they don't have true friends that they can go to, to talk about their woes because on social media, their life is freaking fabulous and they don't want to admit that their life isn't as great as it is on social media. And so we're starting to see an increase in depression, anxiety, um, people not feeling like they're worthy or deserve, you know, what, what's going on in their life. Um, it's not good enough and they're striving for something and they don't even know what it is. So this idea of at our core, we are built to love and give back and Everybody can attest to this idea of when you give something, no matter what it is, it makes you feel good. So that's a high vibe uh, thing that you can do in your life. That's a high vibe thing that, as you called, is a life hack, helps you immediately change your vibration because it's in our core being. So if there's any one thing that you could do to start doing today, to start hitting that Zen space. Look, these dudes in India and Tibet and these elders, they've got it figured out. They already know all this. This is what they've been teaching for centuries. It's not, you know, the, the science is trying to catch up to it, but we're so damn busy we're not paying attention. But you go out in the woods with an elder, you're going to learn more shit in one day than you will in a lifetime. They've got it all figured out. They know all this. So it's, it's about this idea of be kind, you know, love one another, don't judge one another and show up in a way and hold space for that person. So like you were talking about, you're at the Starbucks line, you're standing in line, say hello to someone. They might think you're weird, but why is that? It's because we're so, we're no longer really connecting with people. So start to change that paradigm and start to shift that because that's what's going to elevate you. And when you go to that Zen spot, wherever that is in your house, when you feel really good and you've had a really good day, you're going to be able to, to sink into that right brain and hit that Zen space because you're elevated and you're feeling good. And it's hard to get there, but giving to other people and being kind is just ways to get there. That's amazing. There's a, there's a, a gif out there of, I uh, forget his name, but he's sitting there clapping. Uh, he's the guy, that main actor from Transformers. <laughs> um, it's such a, that's what my mind is. At. <laughs> Bravo. That was brilliant. I love all that. And I, and I a hundred percent agree. It's so simple. And the principles of the elders or the monks or the spiritual masters, it's the application of a simple idea. And the gap is we're not doing the application. We're looking for some sort of fantastic thing that brings our spirituality to us or something outside of us. Or it's, it's like, no, it's like just doing those things. Like what did Marie, uh, mother Teresa do? She, 
gave every day. Now you don't have to do it in that way, but that was what she was doing. She's giving is like, this is the example of giving. This is, you know, what you do now. It doesn't mean you don't have to take care of your family and have a job and things like that, but just have that in your mind as a way of being, that's who you are. And so you touched on really powerful things there. And I totally resonate and agree a hundred percent with all of it. And so I guess my follow-up question would be, I was going to talk a little bit about, you know, some principles for a work-life balance, or it could even, it could be that, or it could be your thoughts on really having self-love, self-acceptance and peace, like real inner peace to have a fulfilling life. Because when I was talking to David, uh, I could ask, I could go really out there, you know, I was like out there in outer space and all kinds of madness, you know, and history and things like that. And then And then when I realized I could ask like anything and I was trying to get deeper and deeper is like, what do I want as this human experience? It's like, really, it's peace, like real fundamental wake up peace, you know, just strong self love self acceptance. And so from that space, I can go explore my reality, I can explore the planet, I can explore myself in a very honest way. um, And have a fulfilling life. So I was just wondering if you wanted to talk about either of those, some principles or, or some core concepts for you on how we might be able to achieve that a little bit more in our lives. Well, I think that, you know, what you touched on this idea, like every time somebody's asked, like, what is it that you really want? What do they always say? I want to be happy, you know, but I think the problem is, is that people don't slow down enough to really sit in that space and say, okay, but what is it that really makes me happy? What is it that I really want? It's one thing to say, oh, I want to find peace and I want to find happiness, but that definition of what that looks like is going to be different for everybody. For you or I, it might be, you know, for me, it would be going out in the woods with an elder for a week and, you know, doing a vision quest. I mean, I would be all for that. Um, You know, some of my most surreal experiences happen during a vision quest. That ain't for everybody. So I think that you know, one of the the concepts of this human experience is that we have an ego. You know, that's not something that we have on the other side. You know, when we're of divine spirit and, you know, we don't have these meat suits on us, we don't have this ego thing that is really controlling the left brain and structuring things and making everything logical and going, oh, you shouldn't do that. And there's this fear and, oh, remember the last time you did that. And so, It's like we have this inner chatter and that is what screws up our peace. That's what screws up our happiness is that we don't trust our inner wisdom. Everything that you need to find that peace or that happiness is within you. It's there. The elders know this. They have, again, they've been professing this and we don't trust. As human beings, we really click into that left brain that's all about the future and the past. And it's like, well, the last time I did that, this happened. So this is what's going to result from that. And so then fear steps in and we all live over here. And then there's this whole idea of we don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. You know, who the hell am I? And it's like, if you can just shut down that mental chatter and get to this place of, what is it that I really want? What, how do I really connect to that inner wisdom? You know, one of the best things that I can do is I like before I uh, go into a feng shui consultation, my whole staff knows this. I literally shut down and I go out into the woods for an hour 
I hug trees, I'm placing my hands in the dirt, um, I'm meditating, I'm playing in the water, like I, I am molesting Mother Earth <laughs> because I want to get as close to the divine as I possibly can so that I can connect to my true being. But who does that, right? Nobody does that. Most of us wake up in the morning, get in our car, go to the office, leave the office, get in our car and go right back home. Rarely do people get outside. So in order for you to be able to tap into this inner wisdom and find what peace, contentment, happiness looks like, have to go within. Those external things that you're doing are never going to make you happy. No matter how much shit you buy, no matter how fancy your house is, your car is, the shoes, the clothes, it doesn't matter. Those will never fulfill you. But if you can go into that little corner of that room that has been deemed your portal for your Zen state, everything to make you happy and to give you the life that you want lives in that space. That is where you will find all the answers and that's where you will find um, your Zen state. That's amazing. I love that. And I love how you shared that you go outside and you play in the, in the, I molest. Oh, oh shoot. I was in mute. Could you hear me? I was saying, I, yeah. I love, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I love all that. I, I think it's so funny. I, I've never heard that sense before. And it's a very spectacular sense. It's the only time I think that you could use that word and it'd be okay in a sentence. Uh, <laughs> Um, and you know, I do know a few people who do that and what, and it's very rare and they are considered odd people. And what it really brings to mind for me when we're talking about social media and the rise of depression and suicide and very serious things that are happening is yes, this separation of feeling isolated, not feeling communal, not feeling connected. And another way is that I think it's the difference between an artificial reality and a natural reality. And so a natural and real. So when I am with somebody like, you know, it's great to have a podcast with somebody, you know, I can connect with them. I can see your face. I can get a read on who you are by what you say and, and the way you carry yourself and all the subconscious things that go about it. And there's a massive upgrade when you're in physical reality together. And, you know, that's why conferences and festivals and things like that, getting in someone's actual space is, is as real as it gets. You know, you can get all the information, you can get all the subtleties. And so going out into nature is such a beautiful way of being. It, it puts you into a natural state, you know, and if you take all of it away, take all the houses, all the fancy cars, all the stuff, and what you're actually doing is you're on a rock floating through space with other things that are on this thing and you get really grounded and i think that that's where people are really getting lost because they have no grounding without grounding or connection with themselves there's you can't really aim and you're a little bit lost and you want to find your way but it, everything's artificial you can't grasp onto anything real so the fact that you go out and you go for a walk in the woods or you play in the water or you just do something that's real and natural, you're connecting to, you know, your self and what you are as this, you know, I, I sometimes say just like a, you know, a sophisticated monkey because we're supposed to be playing. We're supposed to be jumping uh, around and climbing trees and going in the dirt and exploring. But 
it became serious somewhere along the line it became serious and we had to go get pieces of paper to survive to get food coupons and then everything from that you know it's unfortunately the what we live in but we got to kind of reverse that trend so do the do that so you can eat um, but also remember your natural connection with who you are so there's um, a lot of really powerful principles in there and so I guess I would ask you to go a little bit deeper on like the work-life balance because I, li- I think that's where we're going with it. We, we have two realities, you know, you're, you're playing in the, in the water and you're going out. We have these jobs that we got to do. We got to, you know, keep promises and perform tasks and keep the lights on and things like that. What do you offer for people who might be in a little bit more of a high stress environment? You know, they're a little bit more on the, I got to get this paper because if I don't, bad things are going to happen, which might be very real how to create that balance uh, for their, for themselves. Yeah. And I would say that that crisis, right? Like we're all workaholics. Um, I would arguably say that there's probably not a single person who's watching or listening to this that isn't in that situation. You know, we can't all be hippies going out and hugging trees and like everything's going to be just hunky dory. It, it just doesn't work that way. But the thing is, is that um, we tend to spend 90% in our left brain and only 10% in our right brain. And so Emily Fletcher from Ziva Meditation talks about this idea of your, basically you've got a a barbell in your left hand and you're just sitting there cranking the hell out of it. Your muscle is growing and growing and your right arm over here is just hanging here. And it's like, well, what about me? You know, and your right brain is is where uh, intuition, creativity, flow, Um, this idea of playfulness and wonderment, that's where that comes from. And so we've been bred to believe that the only way that we can survive is to stay in this left brain. We have to hustle. We have to be productive. We have to be doing and not being. And I don't know that there's truly this concept of work-life balance I think that it's kind of a flow in between because there's going to be times in your work state where you're going to have to hustle and you're going to have to, you know, work those long hours. But what happens is, is that, you know, and we have to be very conscious of it. All of us in my office, we are very conscious about, okay, we are working on a project. We're extremely excited on it. And when we get in that state, we tend to just work. And we have to be able to push ourselves away from it and take a moment to go outside and and have some playful moments. You have to make a conscious effort. Otherwise, you get completely wrapped up in that left brain, do, 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 and effort to make shit happen. And then you forget about this other side. And the problem is, is that that's where the anxiety lives. That's where the angst and the the craziness and the chaos. And what happens is, is our stress level starts to increase and then we become stupid. A lot of people think that, you know, stress is, is the the driving force for a productive campaign or, you know, the, the good that's going to come out of whatever you're working on. But stress has actually been proven to alter our brain state and we make stupid decisions the way that you fix that is to bring in the right brain and soften it and bring in the creative flow and tap into the divine. And and whether that's going out in the woods or going into your meditation space or just taking five minutes, I do this all the time. I'll make a cup of coffee and I will go sit outside. All of my uh, trees are named. And so my one out front, his name is Arthur. 
everybody knows Arthur. I will, I'll yell up to the staff and I'll say, I'm going outside for 15 minutes to go have a chat with Arthur. I have to break myself away, but you have to make a conscious effort to do that because it's so easy to fall into this. I have to get it done. I have to get it done. I have deadlines. I've got to do this and I've got to take care of this. And, and there's never enough time. So the only way that work-life balance occurs and can actually happen is if you make a conscious effort. And so many of us fall trapped to this idea of, well, I'm just going to stay in the left brain because that's where I get everything done. But then you hit burnout and then you're unhappy and then you're stressed out. Your health starts taking a toll. Your family starts taking a toll and nobody wants to be there. So in order to get that balance, will it ever be 50-50? Probably not. But you have to make the conscious effort to figure out what that play side or what that create side looks like for you. It could be going to the movies, going out into the woods. Um, it could be coloring. It could be going to your Zen spot. Um, it could be going for a hike. You know, it could be that, you know, you go someplace with a friend, whatever it looks like for you. But you have to make sure that you take time to do those things because when you allow your mind to rest, that's when that divine inspiration comes in and you come in with the big ideas. And that's the sweet spot. You know, we forget that when we allow our brains to come down and to like actually take a moment, that's when all the, the uploads start coming in and that's the place that you want to be. You can't achieve that when you're in that left brain. But in order to achieve work-life balance, it's, you, have to, you have to work at it. Another another round of applause. That was amazing. I totally agree, and I and I really like your. It, it's it's simple and practical. It's not you know, uh, let's say you know like I like the hippie version. You know, we can't all just hug a tree. Now I am as most that trying to do that as anyone else that I know, um, and it is challenging just to do that and live that way. Um, but it's really practical, and you do have to make a choice. And what it kind of reminds me of is Wayne Dyer would talk about we're human beings, not human doings. And we get yeah. stuck in that cycle. That 90% is such a really great analogy um, because we're stuck in this, in this mechanical way of being. It's just go, 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 go. And we've, we've, we've not balanced it with the being, with the creative side. And we, as electromagnetic beings, we emit a signal, we send a signal out, and we also receive signals from everything around us, space, nature, plants, people, all that kind of stuff. And we forgot how to listen. And so when you're hanging out with Arthur, Arthur is by far more wise than probably any human on this planet. You know, he's standing in the same spot, hanging out, just telling you to relax. What are you doing? Um, and, and so if we can make that conscious effort to start to balance it out, then, you know, we, we go more into the receiving mode. We, we start to access, right? It's not all about putting out. It's like, and what is the point of just putting out to put out? You know, what are you putting out? You exactly. know, but when you receive, you're starting to see, receive what nature might need, what others might need, because you're listening, you're picking up all this subtle information from all the life around you. And when you stop and settle, that idea will drop in and say, hey, this is something that you can offer to your community that you're in, to your surroundings, to this space that's going to light you up and it's going to contribute to all these other things because we've picked up this information. Now you've stopped thinking and now or, or got out of your way and now we can give you you can receive now as the same emitter you can now receive some information that you can then take action on so a uh, really practical and, and beautiful answer that I totally agree with well and
want to mention is, is that when you get caught up in the doing, 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 pushing, 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 you miss out on a lot of things and you miss a lot of the divine communication that you receive. So for example, um, I, I, the other night I went out and I was walking out in the woods and it was pretty late. It was like eight o'clock at night and I heard owls and we've never had owls in our neighborhood ever. So I start walking towards where I think the sound is and lo and behold, uh, my neighbor's roof, I look up and there's the owl. Like, had I not really been tuned in and tapped in, I could have missed that. I could have, you know, to me, I stopped, I sat down on the curb, I really enjoyed him, I talked with him, I had a conversation with him, like, I understood what a gift that was from nature to honor me with this owl's presence. And there was actually not one, there was three. And so we've lived here for five years and I've never seen an owl. Well, if you're so caught up in the doing, you miss these beautiful moments that happened around you that are true gifts from the universe. But because you're so caught up in your bullshit that you think is important, you miss the beauty. You miss the magic. Yes. And thank you so much for sharing that story. And it's funny because I can see, you know, not my audience probably, but other audiences like, oh, it's just an owl, you know, who cares? You got to go back inside and you got to, I don't know, do something ridiculous. That's so important. And from this perspective, I would be that same way. I'd be like, oh my God, it's three friggin' owls. Yes. And I would sit and I would be there. And like, that is, that is the magic. And um, I had a podcast yesterday, but this thought, I don't know, I think I mentioned it yesterday. Um, and I just wrote this down, but I, I was doing a meditation that David taught me and it's just put a candle in the room and just watch it for 20 minutes and, uh, and let, let the images come from the side. And what will happen is this a technique to break the veil to kind of see spirit guides. And it's not to look directly at them. It's just kind of experience this a little bit of a wavy state between physical and spiritual. So I, I sit down and bef as soon as I put the candle down, I haven't lit it yet. I said, I want to communicate with spirit. I want spirit to be with me here. And I want it to be obvious. I light the candle and uh, 10 seconds later, not even an ant walks over to the light and starts to crawl up the thing. And I was like, wait. And, I, and instantly I was like, this isn't what I mean for spirit. Like this isn't, this isn't the thing. So I just meditated with it and I disregarded the ant and the ant started to do circles. And then it started to circle around the bottom of the, the candle over and over and over and over again. And then it would climb up the candle and it would sit there and then it would go down and do over and over and over and over again. And I'm thinking as like, you know, a few times like our ants attracted to light. Like this is just a natural thing that an animal or an insect will do. And then I'm journaling about the experience. And then I realize as it's kind of sinking in, the thing did like so many circles. I ask spirit to come and it comes and it does it in this way. And I realize, and I have this epiphany that, um, you know, like a deepening understanding that spirit communicates with you in subtle ways. You know, yes. I'm expecting an archangel to come down with like full armor and golden glory. And, you know, this is how you communicate with spirit. You know, they come in in some sort of orb and boom, and you, you know, go to this magical castle. It's like, no dummy, it's very subtle. And that's yes. the art of being here. You need to learn how to listen. You need to know how to speak the language. And so when an owl comes, you recognize that as special. When an ant comes, 
I can get out of my head out of my ass and realize that that's special. I just asked for it. And that's how it communicates in a very subtle way. And it's just for you to make that link and that connection. And then you start reading this very subtle language that's very real and always speaking to you each and every moment, always speaking to you. Um, you know, I thought about this comic of, you know, somebody at home and asking spirit for help and they get in their car and then, you know, they've got a bald eagle or something right here, you know, and then the eagle's like, Hey, just trying to get their attention. They go to work and they're driving in traffic and dolphins are going off the sea line or whatever. They just, all this amazing stuff is happening, but they're so stuck in this box that they can't see anything else other than that stress response pattern and, and keep your head down, essentially go to work, get in your box, go do your task and not pay attention. But if you breathe and you just become a little bit more aware and a little bit more at peace, you start to notice uh, these, these signs and these signals. Um, that was my rant. Yeah. I, spirit never communicates to us in loud, gregarious roars. They never do. It's always very subtle. It's very fleeting. And if you are not present and truly mindful, you're going to miss it. But here's the cool thing. The more that you recognize it and honor it and create special space for it, the more it will occur. So treat it as such, you know, honor it, be respectful of it and ask for more because if and pay attention to it and thank them for that. It's like they'll, they'll give you little crumbs and they're like, oh, she likes it. Let's give So, but you got to slow down in order to see it. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that was something that David talked about too, is like when you recognize it and you write it down, they know you're paying attention. You know, spirit is yes. realizing you're paying attention so they can give you more and, it, and you can just see it as a capacitor. You know, we're in an electrical universe and we emit, send a signal, we receive a signal. So when it sends us information and signs, we recognize it. Then we open up for more. We open up for more. We open up for more yeah. because you can't get too much at once. So freak you out. You know, it's just like, okay. <laughs> I'm always like, bring it on. Yeah, perfect. Um, you know, this has been really fantastic. I didn't know it was going to go this way. Um, and I trusted that it was going to be awesome. And it, and it was. I really appreciate um, you coming on and sharing all that beautiful and grounded wisdom. Before we go, I'm just curious if there's anything that we didn't touch on, if there's a question that you wish that I would have asked or anything that you want to rant on a little bit uh, before we go and make sure that people, and you can feel free to elaborate as much as you want and open up new rabbit holes and just anything you want to leave the listeners with and how they can get a hold of you. Um, you know, I think that the, the nugget of information that I would hope that everybody would take from this is just really slowing down and figuring out how they can serve. Um, you know, we need to take greater care of humanity. We need to be a lot less egoic about things, non-judgmental, kind. We, we need to start being a lot more compassionate um, and less selfish. And so, you know, if you walk away with anything, I would definitely encourage you to do the 27 things. Um, Professor Lynn always talked about how it's not your time or your effort that matters. It's your karma that matters. And so when you leave this planet, you leave with nothing. All that shit that you've accumulated, you leave with none of it. The one thing that you leave with is your wisdom and your good deeds. So, you know, if you've been a really shitty person, that's going to stack up against you. So how can you serve? How can you be a better human? How can you 
um, really take your knowledge and, and who you are as a being and give back and, and show true kindness. And, you know, I think the other thing is too, is that we are harming our planet at an alarming rate and people need to get their heads out of their asses. This place that we live is beautiful and we are treating it as if there's another one to go to and there's not. So, you know, if you can take one practice every day, or start doing one thing every day, whatever that looks like for you. you know, maybe you uh, change over to paper bags, or maybe you get canvas shoppers, or I got rid of my car, you know, that was a, a loud gregarious roar on my part, but what can you do to start saving our planet? Because our kids' kids right now are not gonna have a place to be. Um, this is no longer a matter of science fiction and, you know, everybody wanted to say that Al Gore was, you know, it was a political movement and it wasn't, you know, I think that we need to really uh, change our way of thinking. Consumerism does not matter. Um, how we treat each other does and how we treat our planet matters. Those are the things that I want people to um, take away from this and, and I'm hoping that they are inspired and motivated to do one act of change uh, that will make an, a big impact. Oh, and I should say, uh, if they want to find more information, I guess that's important, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was such a beautiful closing statement. Thank you so much. I would have I would have reminded you that you got see you got to the important bits. Oh God! Well, I never, you know, I'm always more about the, you know, the change. We need to change, and I forgot about, you know, the the marketing <laughs> bullshit. Um, if you'd like to to learn more, I have a great podcast, Home Energy Design. Um, I talk a lot about this. I talk a lot about karma, feng shui, how to be a better human, how to take care of our planet, um, things that you can do to, you know, really focus on the things that matter and giving back. YouTube channel has a lot of similar uh, dialogue and, and change and that sort of thing. Lots of really great information. And, and of course, uh, what Matt was talking about is my website. I have over nine years worth of blog articles on there. Um, and for a long time, I wrote three times a week on there. So there's a lot of information uh, on the blog as far as um, how to be an environmentalist, how to live zero uh, waste uh, free lifestyle, um, easy feng shui tips and how you can change your environment. And just looking at uh, the energy that's around us and, and how to interpret things and, and connection to the divine. But all of that, I'm all over uh, social media too. Amazing. Appreciate that. Well, that, those are really epic closing statements. And I remember the, the GIF that I was thinking about, or GIF, I don't know, people will tell you it's different things. Um, but it's Shia LaBeouf just sitting there clapping like this, and he's like super <laughs> intense in a suit. Um, but yeah, you did that three times. Really amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and your work and, um, you know, inspiring that change in people and, you know, doing it every single day. I, I can imagine the amount of work and the um, energy you put out over three years and it takes a while, you know, it's not an overnight thing and it's kind of a commitment to a path. And so I just appreciate you walking it and, and sharing that with others. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for watching guys. Check in the next one. Peace.
All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed that incredible episode with Amanda Gates. If you guys went through and you got those aha moments, please time code with a screenshot, share it with me on Facebook, share it on Instagram. And if you want to go a step further, write down the time code and share with your friends this aha moment tagging the episode because number one, you're integrating the knowledge. Number two, you're sharing the knowledge. So you're allowing someone else in your community to realize that insight. It's a very powerful thing. So... Um, and number three, it gets the help of the podcast out there. So I like that because, uh, we're spreading the good word. We're spreading love and kindness and peace and compassion and understanding and self-development, not the way, just our way, just our conversation about something meaningful, something that matters. And we can all improve ourselves with community, with compassion for each other, with learning through listening and understanding. So, uh, yeah, that's it. And thank you to my podcast sponsor, Purium. They're amazing. Just go to bit.ly forward slash activate health and use activate health to get 50 bucks off. If you haven't taken CBD, they have an incredible CBD. I highly recommend it. And they have just incredible products for everything. Cleansing health, energy, sport, you know, non-GMO, 60-day money-back guarantee. So they're the best of the best and you can get 50 bucks off whatever you want to order. So check them out. Um, sign up for the email list at mattbelair.com. And those of you guys who want coaching and you're really looking to level up and transform your life or to experience more fulfillment or whatever the case is, um, just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Or if you're a CEO, entrepreneur, business owner, and you're looking for peak performance, but you know, it's, it's really Zen. It's like, it's both. It's kind of like, you know, martial arts mastery where you have to be able to strike and, you know, be a master, but also be calm, cool, and collected in how you navigate life. And so really powerful, um, tools for, you know, uncovering your passions being the best, most effective as far as like biohacking strategies um, and tools, but also doing it from a very peaceful and powerful perspective. So if you want to level up and do some coaching, just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and I'll hook it up. Also groups, some people want me to kind of come in through a Zoom and you can ask me all the questions you want and come in for your book clubs or your metaphysical shops or your spiritual groups or whatever the case is. I'm happy to do that. It's always a ton of fun. Um, that's it. I think that is, that is totally it. Um, let me just check here. Yeah, that's it. So I did it. Um, thank you guys. You know, just all of my love and support for listening. Um, I wish you nothing but the best in this world. Remembering always that you're whole, complete, beautiful, harmonious, uh, worthy of self-love, self-acceptance. And so just before we close this out, let's come to a powerful state of our infinite nature, infinite creatorship, just connecting to like our divine nature. So stop whatever you're doing and take in a deep breath in through your nose, holding the breath and just letting out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Now take in one more deep breath in through your nose. Now just connect to your infinite multidimensional nature. Realize that you are a timeless, infinite being as you see white, gold, and platinum light coming down from the universe, pulsing through every cell and every muscle and every fiber. As you let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Take in one more deep breath in through your nose. Connecting to your infinite, multidimensional creator self. Connecting to all life, all timelines, all memory. Realizing that you are an infinite creator being with an opportunity to live a human experience as a creator. 
knowing within you that you can create any reality that you can imagine. It will just take a lifetime of pursuit and joy and you can dance your way through it. You are an infinite creator. Letting that breath out slowly with any limitation, any doubt, any internal criticism or thought or belief that came from outside you to make you think that this was not true because you know within your heart and your being that this is true. Taking in one more deep breath in through your nose, connecting to your infinite, divine, multidimensional nature, seeing this light come down and now sending from your heart this love and power and awareness to all beings on the planet, all your friends, your family, community, all the podcast listeners, sending it out to all timelines, past, present, future, all the way out to the galaxies, just seeing yourself pulsing powerful energy. And I'm sending you all that love and support and energy your way, all of my gratitude, love and appreciation. And just let this energy come back to you magnified a million fold, letting it into your heart and into the cells, activating every cell and every muscle and every fiber of your being with this frequency as a multidimensional being. So thank you so much for listening. Have a joyous day. Have a joyous week. Have a joyous life. I invite you to try those 27 acts of kindness, sending out all of my love, my appreciation, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you.